This is Late Night Health. This is the radio show that cares about the most important part of your life, your health. Uh, I'm Mark Allen, and along with the insane Daryl Wayne, we're going to take a look at a couple of things that touch most of us in our lives. The first one is about love. We're going to be spending some time with Richard Chu. He's written a book called Love Letters from Janie, 50 Years of Breaking Barriers Together. You find out more about that. And during the latter part of our show, we're going to talk with Daryl and congratulate him because today is his 37th anniversary of being sober, uh, of, of going through AA. Congratulations to Daryl. So we'll, um, we'll be talking about that in uh, the latter part of our show. Right now we go to Manhattan, uh, New York, my favorite place in the world. I know Italy is good. The Middle East has good things. Uh, the, uh, the Caribbean is beautiful. San Francisco is fun. But the energy I get from being in New York City, wow, I can't believe it. Uh, our guest is Richard Chu. Richard's, uh, I guess... How would you describe yourself, Richard, uh, somewhat of a historian? Well, I guess I would say, as my late wife would say, I never grew up. So I believe I'm in my seventh career. I Your seventh, seventh career. career. Oh. Well, I started out as a neurophysiologist uh, and also taught medical students and nursing students. Uh, got my MBA. So I started at Stanford as an undergraduate research fellow. Uh, went up to Oregon, got a master's in biology up to the medical school in Oregon, um, and then went on and got my MBA in, at Northwestern. Uh, I just keep going to school. <laughs> and my wife said, you got to get a job. The kids can't tell at school <laughs> uh, what you do. And I eventually wound up being an economist, and I changed Taiwan into a modern economy, uh, a bunch of other things. But basically, history has always been a love. As I've done all my consulting work and so on, I've always pursued history. I've been a public historian since uh, the 1980s, and I'm now doing my PhD in uh, history, world history at St. John's University. And writing a book and doing a dissertation are identical. It's like digging a tunnel by yourself with a tablespoon and a candle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been rewarding. You, uh, the, the love letters from Janie. You were married for just over years, 50, 54 years. Mm -hmm. um, and you had uh, 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 trials and tribulations, family, uh, people. Um, uh, at, the, at the time, it was just, I think, uh, just after uh, uh, World War II. Um, lots of things were, were for you, and a lot of things were against you what what do you think allowed you guys to persevere together i think our parents set the tone uh if we had it rough they had a hundred times harder uh, my father was a graduate of stanford medical school i was not allowed to practice in any white hospitals in san francisco uh, my mother was raised in gilroy her father was uh, the superintendent of the largest commercial seed company in the United States. He was a superintendent. He uh, had 150 uh, laborers working under him. She went to Gilroy schools, never learned to speak Chinese, except a few words to her mom. And when she married my dad, who was an immigrant from China, but under the Chinese Exclusion Act, which didn't end 
It started in 1886 and ended until 1968. Uh, during that era, all Asians were labeled as aliens ineligible for citizenship. So therefore, my mother, who was born in America, when she married my dad, Congress stripped her of her American citizenship, making her a person without a country. And, uh-huh. then, and then because of the exclusion in San Francisco of all Asians, uh, dad could only practice in San Francisco. Mom and dad had to live in Chinatown. So she is an outlier who couldn't speak the language in a village that spoke only Chinese. And so that was the challenge she had. She ultimately became, she got her, she was an RN, which was very unusual uh, in those days for an Asian American nurse, probably one of a half a dozen. Uh, my dad was a, unusual being an Asian American MD. And here they are. And she goes on to become the first PTA president who is not, uh, who Asian American PTA president in San Francisco, and she got harassed. By the by the parents, by other PTA, and she persisted. So this is a story of parents telling us how they persisted. How could we not do that? You know, you mentioned there's so many things here. I could go. I'm trying to to focus here. Today, do with 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 the 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 the. Um, backlash against Asian Americans, against Asians, is it, 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 it's, it's the 21st century. Why do we still have this? What, what's, what's the problem? Uh, In a lecture I gave uh, two years ago, I traced the origins of anti-Asian American attitudes. It goes back to the Crusades. Excuse me. <laughs> it goes back to the definition uh, very quickly. Uh, the Silk Road is where things came from Asia into the uh, into Europe. It was cut off in the uh, 1453, I believe, and so Europe had to look for a, a way to get to China. Uh, and in doing so, it became the Age of Discovery, and that Age of Discovery led to a definition of all other peoples except white Europeans as being subservient, and they had to treat this. And so that persists all this time. And even now, uh, I think I mentioned in my book that growing up as a Chinese American in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, was one continuous anti-Asian incident. It hasn't stopped uh, because of my titles and I get a little higher in hierarchies. It's much more subtle, but it's still there. I was, I think I should share this. Mm. I am a deacon of the Catholic Church. I am a clergy. I was at, a, at the cathedral preparing to distribute communion um, and a senior white priest came up, shook the white priest on my left, the hand of the white priest on my left and the one on the right and said, I won't shake your hand. This happened only two years ago. So it- Did it, he it, give it, a reason why? He just looked at me, he walked away. Yeah, he gave he gave me a, you don't deserve it, I think was the word. <laughs> so I, I just, you know, you have to choose your battles. Complaining won't change him. But doing what my parents did and Janie's parents did, which is persist in doing what we do well and showing that we and opening up doors for other people. That's our that's our mission. And that's why I wrote the book. 
you know, it was all based on the fact that I diagnosed her with a terminal brain disease in 2003. Um, well, I did the initial neurological exam. So I, I treated her at home for 13 years. And so I understand the whole process of life and death. She's been gone since 2015, I believe. Yes, correct. Is there a day that you don't miss her? Never. But then the, you get you get the energy to say, okay, we're going to accomplish something today. <laughs> we're going to get something done today. We're going to get up in the morning and then just not lie around. I could watch YouTube all day, but, but I have a dissertation to write. <laughs> this is, I'm in my fifth year of my PhD program at 85. Let me tell you, it's a challenge. That's... Uh... Do you, uh, uh, off, off uh, topic, do you, do you, I, I have a feeling you still have the same energy at 85 that you did at 35 or do uh, you? Maybe 55, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've developed a new um, exercise program. I learned, watched on two uh, physical therapists on TV, YouTube. Uh, I'm working, I gained 20 pounds since I started my PhD in 2017. In June, I started a reduction program, a diet program. I've lost 16 pounds in eight weeks. So <laughs> I'm going to get to my 20 pounds shortly. Uh, I yeah. love it. I love it. And being in the capital of uh, the world capital of food in New York, it's got to be hard. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> so many kinds of food. We're going to take some time out. Our guest is Richard Chu. The book, Love Letters from Janie. 50 years of breaking barriers together. I'm Mark Allen. Join us at LateNightHealth.com. You'll see a pretty picture of Daryl and me, and Richard will be up there as well. Don't go away as Late Night Health continues. Recently, I met Jacqueline from Bright here in Los Angeles. She gave me a hearing exam and then showed me how to hear again with the new Signia Pure Series hearing aids, and she can give you your life back too. I hear birds chirping, birds cooing, and even my wife. They easily connect to my smartphone. The Signia hearing aids are amazing, and with the charge and go, I don't have to fiddle with batteries and hear all day long. Not hearing is frustrating for you and your family. I know, you don't have a problem, but trust me, call Bright Here Now for a free hearing exam, a $125 value, yours free, just for making an appointment now. There are offices throughout the Los Angeles area. Call Bright Here Now at 323-424-7100. That's 323-424-7100 for a free hearing exam. There's no obligation. Call now, 323-424-7100, or visit them on the web at brighthere.com. Late Night Health is proud of our partnership with the EBC, the Evolutionary Business Council. Check them out at ebcouncil.com. You're listening to Late Night Health with Mark Allen. The show continues in a moment.
If you're listening to Late Night Health right now, you're part of the growing target of baby boomers we're serving. Hi, I'm Daryl Wayne, producer of Late Night Health, inviting you to join the Late Night Health family. If you have any business targeting the growing boomer market, Late Night Health is the ideal advertising vehicle for you. From vitamins to insurance, alternative health to Western-style medicine, Late Night Health caters to the growing population of those over 40 years old. This vibrant demographic has expendable income to fight aging, purchase travel, take care of aging, parents or just have fun find out about the advertising opportunities with late night health call us at 805-391-0308 that's 805-391-0308 or email us at info at late night that's info at late night join late night health as we empower people to take charge of their own health care call now at 805-391-0308 that's 805-391-0308 Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Words are a critical aspect of success. How you get your point across is a crucial part of what makes anything sell. So do it right and hire a writer. Whether it's articles, blog posts, technical writings, website content, product descriptions, or ghost writing anything from a novel to a nonfiction book about your navel, contact Servette Hassan. If you want it to sell, write it right. Email Servette at Servette at ServetteHassan.com. Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen, along with the insane Daryl Wayne. We're talking about love letters from Janie, 50 years of breaking barriers together. Uh, Richard Chu is our guest, and we'll have Richard back. I know we will, as he uh, gets his doctorate, and we'll help him celebrate, because I think it's uh, I, th- I think it's fabulous that, that what you're doing, Richard. I really, honestly do. Do you think that breaking down the barriers as you and Janie and as your parents and her parents did, that it helps everybody, uh, Asians, blacks, Jews, Hispanics. Uh, There's a a whole uh, thing against uh, people from the Middle East right now. Is, I mean, we're people, we're all together, in my opinion. I personally believe we have to start with the Asian Americans themselves. You have to understand who we are. I am kind of a promo. I am giving a talk at the main branch of San Francisco Public Library on February 11th, 2023. And the topic is a new definition of Asian Americans. Because the, it's, I claim that it's a it's current use of the top, uh, the, the word phrase Asian American is a leftover from the Chinese inclusion era that the media uses as a net that captures millions of people who are not related ethnically or culturally and other things. And so the talk is the new definition of Asian Americans need to define themselves and understand who we are by category, by group, and break it down so we look at people, not just a mass of five million or whatever the number is of Asian Americans in the US. They represent some percent of the population. No, we look need to look at ourselves and understand that first generations are different from third generations and the fourth and fifth don't even know their history. So that's my my current crusade in addition to all the other things I do. And and looking at history, a lot of people, and I remember saying it myself in high school, what do I need to know that what happened in the crusades? But you gave a relevant example of how in the crusades, 
when anti-Asian philosophy became relevant, you, you, you brought it back to the 21st century. Do we need to look at history to learn not to make more mistakes? I think we need to connect the dots. The average person doesn't really care about history. So we have to, as historians, our role is to make it relevant without a lot of jargon and you know fancy talk and sense. We need to show them that there's a chain of events that resulted in things that happened to Asian Americans in the United States, Canada, Australia, whatever. Uh, and that if we don't recognize it, it may happen to other people. And if we are a community of people, we need to be concerned that we understand it and we can support others as we resolve our own issues. Growing up um, uh, here in the United States, and the uh, uh, let me let me rephrase that. Your your father was from China. Was he religious himself? No, he came over at an early age, and this is my other crusade. He came over illegally. It's estimated 175,000 Chinese men, virtually all men, illegally entered the United States during the Chinese exclusion era under a scheme called the Paper Sons. He came in illegally, but there was a system by which, uh, when the San Francisco earthquake uh, occurred, it destroyed all the records of Chinese residents in the United States. They all claimed to be citizens, and they all claimed to have children who, by derivative birth, could were citizens of the United States, and if you could didn't have any, you sold the slot. You claim I had three kids, and if you didn't have any kids, you sold the slot to other people, and then you brought them over as your children. This we have lost eighty-six years of Chinese American history because Chinese Americans will not talk about their relatives. You know, it's, it's now now the fear of deport, deportation, the the embarrassment. If I had a criminal in my family, we're not going to talk about him, and that's another crusade I'm on. We want and, to capture that history. And I believe the uh, the earthquake was around 1907. 06. 06. May of 1906, right. May of, well, I wasn't I wasn't there. I came about two years later. <laughs> yeah, I was a year born. Oh. Right. <laughs> uh, Richard, what, what do you think is the most powerful force in the in the world today? I I think it's the first word of your book, but that's... I would agree with you, but then we have to ask, what is what generated that love that survived all the hits we took, individually and collectively? How do you sustain that love? And I think in the book, I define love has four stages. The first stage is that emotion, the release of emotion. I have to be with this person. I'm in love with that person. You know, that, that puppy love that even Freud says, can exist, and then there are points where you proclaim to the public your allegiance to each other. Uh, the that is uh, uh, the engagement. Uh, then usually, a, at least in the Christian world, a wedding mm-hmm. uh, or some kind of formal joining together in front of people. But there's a fourth stage that people do not think about, and that is when you can trust each other to be there for you. I had got your back. 40% of weddings, marriages, don't reach that stage, nearly half. So that means that that's 
the thing that has to be worked on. And as counselors, as deacons, as, our job is to help people understand. You get to get past the first three, which are, you know, the, the beautiful wedding. I just spent, my parents just spent a million dollars on. <laughs> but when you're in the trenches and the shells are coming in, do you stay there? That's the real trick to, to love. It's, and, and, you know, I think, um, I think you and your wife had what I'll call movie love. Um, you know, you look at, at, at movies like, um, You've got mail and and other you know uh, romantic comedies, okay? And I think most people look at those kinds of movies and they say to themselves, "That's what I want." But they they forget about the other parts of love, the 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 argument about we have an, an extra hundred dollars this month. One wants to put it in the bank, the other one wants to buy a couch, right? Right. And, and and there are other issues that that come up. In fact, I can only think of one couple. They tell me they've never had an argument or fight, and that's Daryl and Sherry. Well, that's not us. That's <laughs> did you did you and Janie argue? Oh she, yeah, and she said, "Oh, you don't fight fair." <laughs> but constantly, because obviously, my goal was to lift her up out of the shell that her father created, trying to trap her as his little girl forever, and mentor her, in addition to all the other mentors, to become the person she could be. And in that process is the argument of, who am I? What are you? Who are we? And that's constant. But the thing is, only through growth do you get that constant. When we, uh, the day I got started to register for my, for my graduate studies at the medical school, I sat her down, actually on my lap. I stole the technique from her father. <laughs> and I said to her, the parents wanted her to become a lab tech to support me in grad school. And I said, you're smarter than I am. You're a Stanford graduate. You're a state of California certified microbiologist, and you have done independent research under a Nobel Prize winner at Stanford. You must go get a scholarship. I won't let you in as a lab tech when you come home. That night she came home and she smiled and she said, my scholarship is $5 bigger than yours. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the key was, all along her life, each stage besides me were mentors, men and women, who helped her overcome her sense of the imposter syndrome to allow her to recognize that she had the skills. And that's what the whole key was about her life, even down to the last minute. We are, we're out of time, uh, Richard. Will you come back uh, and, and talk to me sometime? Sure, I'll be glad to, anytime. All right, we we appreciate that. I I really the the book is really terrific. I was reading it the other day, and my daughter, who's visiting, said, "Dad, you're crying." So, while I was reading it, it it it's, it, it really is a remarkable book. Love letters from Janie by Richard Chu. Um, and Richard, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'm Mark Allen, along with the insane Daryl Wayne. We're going to take a look at addiction here in the United States from Daryl's standpoint, Daryl's point of view, celebrating 37 years clean and sober. Great. That is terrific. Uh, more coming up as Late Night Health.